This is the podcast for the journal Neuropsychopharmacology. I'm Cynthia Graber. The gateway hypothesis that the early use of drugs such as tobacco, alcohol, or marijuana during adolescence progresses to harder drugs such as cocaine and heroin was first proposed in the 1970s. In a recent issue of the journal Neuropsychopharmacology, Yasmin Hurd, professor of neuroscience at Mount Sinai, co-authored a commentary evaluating the research to date that either supports or challenges the gateway hypothesis. Originally, in 1975, says Dr. Hurd, It was put forth looking at epidemiological data. And it has been actually replicated um, by numerous epidemiological studies, just looking at different populations in regard to their pattern of drug use and the onset. When did they start taking drugs and which drugs did they start with? And human studies clearly are very messy. There are many confounds and variables that are tough to um, control for. So it has from beginning been very controversial that there is a, a causal relationship. At least people interpreted it when it was first proposed that there was a meaning of causality. And I think that that, that causality has caused many people to challenge that hypothesis. So is there really a causal relationship between adolescent cannabis use and becoming a heroin abuser? No, or else we would really have so many more um, heroin, cocaine addicts than we have in our societies, thank goodness. You mentioned that human studies are very messy. In your paper, you address some animal studies that seem to challenge the gateway hypothesis. What do these show? So with animal studies, you can start to look at causal relationships. And in large part, you know, many of the research, my group included, it's looking at is there a neurobiological alteration that early exposure to um, a drug such as THC, the psychoactive component of cannabis, or nicotine in terms of tobacco or alcohol. So exposing adolescent animals to these substances, do they change the trajectory or the sensitivity of the animal's consumption of other drugs when they become adults? The particular study that we were um, discussing in the paper, they had looked at exposure to alcohol and they did not see a sensitization that as adults, these animals self-administered more cocaine. So that did not support the gateway hypothesis. And many animal studies have shown that indeed you do see, for example, a sensitization where animals will self-administer more heroin, for example, in our studies where we had given them adolescent exposure to THC. So when you look at the literature, there are definitely studies that support it and others that do not. And can we glean anything biologically, mechanistically from the studies that um, show different results? Some differences in animal studies might be attributed to certain genetic characteristics in that rat strain. Another difference might be due to sex differences in terms of vulnerability. And studies might be examining different drugs. One might evaluate the effects of alcohol on future cocaine use, while another might study heroin. And in fact, studies now seem to demonstrate that it is drug-dependent. Alcohol might sensitize the animals to future stimulant use, while THC might sensitize the animals to future opiate use, but not to stimulants. That is, pot might lead to greater heroin sensitivity, but not to cocaine use. Dr. Hurd, you've said obviously it's not a direct linear relationship, or else we'd have far more heroin users. Are there ways to study other influences, such as genetics and environmental impacts? So the complexity of 
the human um, studies definitely means that we need to study more animal models, but the animal models don't completely recapitulate everything in humans. So how can we um, look at aspects of environment that contributes to gateway or common liabilities, another hypothesis really when you're considering about gateway, um, so that people who are in certain environments where just drug availability makes a difference, or um, you have psychiatric comorbidity or psychological problems such as childhood disruptive disorders, um, personality traits such as anxiety. So animal models, you can start looking at their different strains of animals that um, show greater impulsivity traits or anxiety traits. And you could also look at animals that are exposed to more challenging environmental conditions and really try to discern some of the things that you see in humans. So it definitely takes more work than just administering THC or alcohol to an an adolescent animal, but making the studies a little bit more complex can also provide more answers to be more informative to the human condition. In the paper, you describe some fascinating new research, some of which you've conducted in your lab, on the transgenerational effect. What is this? So the transgenerational transmission of addiction vulnerability, per se, for lack of another uh, phrase, was really interesting and unexpected. We had been studying the effects of adolescent exposure to THC and wanted to just start looking at any of the behavioral things that we saw in adults that had been exposed to THC where they self-administered more heroin, whether or not there was any effects in the next generation. So we looked at adult offspring um, following their parents' adolescent exposure to the, to the drug and never exposed again. Um, they were then mated, and as I said, we looked at the adult offspring, and these animals self-administered more heroin when they had to work harder for it. So it then has led us down uh, this you know new line of research in trying to understand transgenerational transmission, and other groups have also now seen Um, these types of effects where there seems to be greater sensitivity for certain drugs following exposure to their parents earlier in life. When we talk about family transmission, epigenetics plays an important role, meaning that the environment can change the conformation of the DNA and those epigenetic changes we see are transmitted to their children. For us, in terms of looking at addiction and psychiatric-related pathologies, it opens up a completely new way of thinking so that not everything is genetic and not everything is just the environment during your lifetime. It makes it much more complex because it's the environment even in your parents' and your grandparents' lifetime that influences your particular vulnerabilities. This might mean that children of parents with drug abuse problems have to be extra vigilant, not just because of a genetic predisposition to drug use, but because of epigenetic changes. Dr. Hurd, based on what you're seeing, what research still needs to be done? Well, from the transgenerational perspective, we don't know understand the mechanism by which this cross-generational epigenetic transmission occurs. And I think that that's very important, not for addiction um, vulnerability, but I think for many um, disorders that we see are within families and does not really link to, for example, to pure genetics. Also, aspects about the sex-dependent relationships for vulnerability 
is still not studied well enough. And understanding what are the neuronal mechanisms that are contributing to the so-called gateway or sensitivity that you see with certain drugs, it's still an open question. So we have a few molecular targets that we have identified and other groups have identified, but are there consistent underlying neurobiological impairments that might lend themselves for targeting for treatments? That is still not clear. So there is still a lot that needs to be done. This was the podcast for the journal Neuropsychopharmacology. To read the paper, Testing the Gateway Hypothesis, go to www.nature.com slash NPP. I'm Cynthia Graber.